This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. Hi, welcome back to Main Corpse. Today is a little bit different. We're going to try something that I made, and you guys might have seen it. Yeah, also, I'm Matt. And I'm Kelsey. <laughs> and, Actually, yeah, they don't know who we are. They don't. They, they have no idea who we are. This is someone listening first. They're like, who are these jolly people? And why are they Jolly old me? elves. Yeah, because today I have brought you just some real holiday spirit with my story. And I think Oof. you're going to like this. So, yeah, do you want to explain what we're having today? Yeah, so I made cocoa. And I'm pretty sure you guys have already seen the video because it went up a little bit earlier than I meant for it to, but it's fine. Um, Looking at you, Brittany. No, it's fine. <laughs> it was my fault for not telling her. Um, regardless. So, I made some more today, and Matt and I are going to try it and talk about it, and then I'm going to... I can just verbally give you the recipe. Yeah, and then want. by the way, if you are one of the and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of kind of toot the horn a little bit for Kelsey here. If you're one of the four point two thousand people that viewed our video of her making this hot cocoa, um, thank you, and hopefully you found our podcast because of it. So, cheers! Cheers! Let's give this a shot. I love cocoa. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. God, that's so good. Um, so it is really, really, really rich. It is extra creamy. Um, very, it's like really kind of smooth and velvety when you drink it. Your your hot cocoa is the bomb. It's really good. Thank you. So the way I make this cocoa is really super easy. Um, it's a half a cup of sugar, a quarter cup of cocoa. I normally use dark chocolate cocoa. That's why it's a little bit um, sharper in flavor. Um, and then it's just a dash of salt, a third of a cup of hot water. You stir all of that together until it's kind of, you can kind of smell it. You can smell everything coming together. Mm -hmm. And then you add four cups of milk. I use whole milk because that's what we just keep for the baby. And then you cook that on medium until it gets hot enough for your taste. Keep stirring it so that it doesn't curdle. And that's how you make homemade cocoa. Yeah, and it's it's literally, it's not too sugary. Um, it's not... It, it's not too chocolatey because I've, I've I've had cocos before where honestly I love chocolate but it like hit me in the face with the cocoa and I was like okay that's a little much I've had them before where it tasted like I might as well just be drinking a cup of sugar milk um, and I've had them before where they they taste like water because someone used oh. water instead of milk um, <clears throat> not gonna name drop anyone but they know who they are if they hear this but uh, grew up on that looking one. at you Brittany yeah <laughs> Oh no! It's no, a no, joke. No. no, definitely not, Brittany. She is when when she came into our family um, and saw that oh, someone no. was using water. She was like, "Oh no, this can't this can't happen." And uh, yeah, this cannot stand again. I will not name drop. I love you. I'm not going to name drop you. All right. So with that being said, 
It is the holiday season, and before we get into my episode, I did want to let you guys know um, what you can expect out of the next few episodes, because we are not going to be trying local foods. What are we going to do each episode? Do you want to so tell So each episode, I'm going to do what I did today. Um, we're going to have me make something, and then we're going to try it out, and I'm going to give you the recipe. We will do a TikTok, and we'll do the Facebook Reel just so that you guys have some fun recipes to try and do through the holiday season. Um, I don't know that anyone's going to want to use my recipes, but they're staples for me. So, Yeah, I'm really excited. I thought it was something really, really different. And I promise this January we will get back to trying local places again. But I thought this was just such a cool idea. We needed to do it. I also have a little surprise coming up for you guys on Christmas Eve. So keep your eye open for that. Yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, some cool stuff coming up. And we may have some announcements on some appearances coming next year. I am so excited looking at our calendar for next I year. I can't I can't wait to talk to you guys about everything. Absolutely, yeah. So with that being said, let's talk to you guys about something that I don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you listen to this or if you've been you've been listening to more you listen to way more true crime podcasts than I do, which is a bad thing for me to say, uh, considering that I co-host a true crime podcast i wanted to do something a little bit different and i want to do something that's kind of been it's something that i've been personally um kind of obsessed with since i was in high school and first heard about this and i thought it would be a good time for us to break down one of the most odd urban legends that exists to me okay okay So today, we're going to be talking about an urban legend that concerns, um, and by the way, there are very, very real true crimes about to be discussed here as well, that kind of, that kind of this, this centers around. Um, Okay. There is an urban legend, and tell me if you've ever heard this, about a nefarious group of elite people who are willing to pay big money for something specific to be caught on film so that they can watch it. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. The snuff film. Do you know what a snuff film is? I do. A snuff film is... Let's just define it really quickly and what it is. For our listeners who are better than we are. Yeah, who are way better than we are. Um, A snuff film is a film created by an individual or individuals um, that is purported to show an actual murder. It is a film that is made to make money off of a murder so that they can sell it to these elites who supposedly will buy these films and watch them. Um, Most snuff films are thought to start off as, and this is according to the urban legend, start off pornographic in nature. Um, And when the end comes of of the film, um, the actor or actress is murdered on camera. The film is then sold to well-connected members of a community for a large profit. Snuff films are generally considered to be nothing more than urban legends. But I want to break this down. Because in more recent years, with uh, the advent of this little thing called the internet. Ah, yes, the internet. Yeah, you guys may have heard of it at this point. Um, 
things that may be considered snuff films are becoming significantly more prevalent. And it's actually getting to the point where it's kind of becoming hard to differentiate between reality and something that is fake. So, with that being said, I'm going to dive into a long and involved history of the snuff film and then tie it to a few well-known and maybe a little bit less known um, serial killers. So, I hope you're ready for that. I'm so ready for that. All right. So, let's get into this. The first known use of the term snuff film or snuff movie is the 1971 book by Ed Sanders called The Family, the story of Charles Manson's Dune Buggy Attack Battalion. That's literally a book. I had to go look it up when I read this to make sure it was real. Um, This book included an interview of an anonymous one-time member of Manson's family who claimed that the group once made such a film in California by recording the murder of a woman. However, the interviewee later added that he had not watched the film himself and had just heard rumors of its existence. In later editions of the book, Sanders clarifies that no films depicting real murders um, or murder victims had been found. Now, there's a good reason why he had to do that. Everybody, thanks to um, a, a small show on Netflix called Stranger Things, is well aware of the satanic panic. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't recall that what preceded the satanic or what yeah preceded the satanic panic in the 1970s was the snuff film panic. Did you know that there was a time when people were so concerned that this was becoming a real thing that the FBI got involved several times that filmmakers, actual makers of just movies were arrested for potentially taking part in snuff films. Um, and the public was in the middle of this big explosion about the concern about a, a group that existed that was kidnapping people and murdering them for profit. Did you have any idea that existed? Because most people don't. No, but it it's, makes sense. It's pretty wild. Especially and, in the 70s, that was a yeah, time for that. Absolutely. Um, so... With that being said, um, some people allege, because again, Ed Sanders was the first one who actually used the term in 1971, and it caused such an outrage that he actually had to clarify later on uh, in a different version of the book that this, this film apparently doesn't actually exist, or that he never found it if it did. Some people allege that there are actually much earlier works that dive into the subject of the snuff film. Um, one example would be a 1905 short story by, and I'm sorry if I destroy this name because it's French, um, Galame Apollinaire, I believe is how you say that. And it's a 1905 short story called A Good Film, which follows a news reporter who faked a murder on camera for publicity, only to be investigated and proven innocent. Um, So as early as 1905, we actually have people thinking about this and thinking like, what would happen if you actually caught murders on camera and mm-hmm. who would be responsible for it and that everything would be like that. So difficult to just catch one, especially in 1905. We're going to get to that too. I mean, now not yeah. so much, but like in 1905. Right. 
I get what you're saying. Um, during the first half of the 1970s to early 1970s, urban, le urban legends started to allege that snuff films were being produced in South America um, for commercial gain and circulated through a clandestine network in the United States. This is when we actually see the first of many, many controversial films um, to lead to real-life arrests, trials, and public outrage. And the first film that we're going to talk about is the 1976 exploitation film called Snuff. Have you ever heard of this movie before? I have not. I have watched this movie many times. Of course you have. Um, and I've actually seen multiple cuts of it, and I'll get to... Of course you, you have, Matt. Why here in just do a you moment. own this movie? Um, I do. How many It was different? released by uh, Blue Underground back in the day. I have one uncut DVD of it that has multiple versions, so... They haven't released an upgrade, an updated version that I've seen, so I'm going to be on the lookout for that. But, so, the ideas, the idea of a movie showing actual murder for profit became more widely known in the mid-70s, and in 1976 with the release of Snuff. Um, again, this is a low-budget exploitation horror film based loosely on the Manson murders and originally titled Slaughter. And it was shot in Argentina by Michael and Roberta Finley, which is a big exploitation couple. Uh, they made a lot of exploitation movies together. Um, and if you're running those circles, you would know who they are. So if you're one of those people listening to this, congrats if you recognize those names. Um, the film's distribution rights were bought in America by Alan Shackleton, um, or Shackleton, sorry, um, who eventually found the picture unfit for release and shelved it. Apparently he thought the movie was terrible. I don't find it that. I think it's actually kind of interesting. Um, but he shelved it. Several years later, um, he was reading an article about snuff films. Remember how I told you there was like this panic about them? And he was reading those articles... And like any great exploitation producer and, and artist, he saw a chance to make Release. some money off yeah. of it, right? So he took the film um, and he invested a little bit more in it. Um, and he decided to make a few changes. So he shelved it. And several years later, when he read about it um, and read about those being imported from South America to the U.S. market, he... And again, his movie was shot in South America. He decided to cash in on the rumor as an attempt to recoup some of his investment. So he retitled Slaughter to Snuff and released it with a new ending that he tacked on that purported to depict an actual murder committed on a film set. Um, Snuff's promotional material suggested, without stating outright, that the film featured a real murder of a woman um, which amounted to false advertising, which he also was eventually sued for. Um, the film's slogan read, the film that could only be made in South America where life is cheap. Oh my God. Yeah. This, this might be one of your first forays into the seventies American exploitation genre. That's just the beginning of some of the stuff that was. No, no, it's not yeah. because we talked about that other man that was murdered. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he was a different type too. Um, but yeah, the film that could only be made in South America where life is cheap. And by the way, cheap was all capital letters and bold. It's perfect slogan. Um, <laughs> Shacklison put out false newspaper clippings that reported of citizen groups crusading against the film and hired people to act as protesters and picket his own screenings. 
So I, now I'm going to ask you, because again, this is the first time you've ever heard of this. Did it work? It absolutely worked. It 100% worked. Of course worked. it did. This yeah. is Okay, so like, I don't know anything about the 70s snuff film, whatever, exploitation nonsense. I only know what you've told me. <laughs> but I watch a lot of Mad Men. And this is exactly that type of thing. Yes. And I hate that. I love it. You're ridiculous. <laughs> I'm such a fan. I'm such a oh. fan of this ridiculousness. It's so crazy. It, it's so um, dumb and it works so well. Yeah. It it's crazy how well it worked. Um and by the way, this is just our first film of several that we are about to discuss. And then we're going to get to real life examples well, of look potential at, stuff films. Look at how things like that work in Let's use today's terms. Mm -hmm. The band Ghost. Yeah. They've been around since 2006. Mm -hmm. They are trending so high that they just received the, um, they just received, what was it, an AMA? Yeah. For Best Rock Band? I believe that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. And it's because people are, like, looking at it as taboo and something mm -hmm. like, ooh, that's not, that's not okay. You yeah, can't this... make fun of the church. Exactly, yeah. And, and like... that's why, I'm sorry, that and, they're good. And then the 70s... I don't think you'll agree, but... I, I, I am not a big Ghost fan, but I haven't listened to a lot. So I don't know. I heard that one song, Rats, and it just sounds... The way he says it is so annoying um, it, but I can't... So I'm going to go on a tangent on our yeah, podcast. Yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. We should tag Ghost in this. Um, but yeah, <laughs> if you're going to listen to something that you'll really enjoy from them, <clears throat> He Is is really good. They It's a gospel-style song Okay. to Satan. Um, and then there is... The other one I like is Square Hammer. Okay. Those are the two that I like listen to pretty consistently. Text them to me and I will absolutely try it out. But yeah, let's tag Ghost in this because yeah. Tobias Forge is, from what I can tell, the nicest dude on the face of the planet. Yeah, and and you know, like, like I said, I haven't I haven't listened to enough. Like I said, I know that a couple of radio stations were playing rats over and over again, like a lot. And I heard it a few times and I, I was don't like, this love is it. just okay. I don't love it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> So let's get back. Because, yeah, we're going to get to um, his efforts to sell his movie. Um, worked like an absolute charm. Of course it did. I mean, it worked perfect and generated an extreme media frenzy about the film. Real life feminist groups and citizen groups eventually started actually protesting the movie and picketing theaters. That had to save him billions. It totally did. Because <laughs> as a result of this... The New York District Attorney, Robert Morgenthau, investigated the picture, establishing at the end of the investigation that it was indeed a hoax. Of course it was. Yeah, and if you go watch it now, you'd be like, they had to investigate this to see that it was a hoax. Um, it was the yeah. 70s. Everyone was doing LSD. It makes sense. Right. So the controversy worked like a charm, and the and the film made a huge profit. It did really, really well. So after this, there are countless other examples of films that caused outrage and eventually had to be investigated for their purported use of actual murder. And we're just going to hit on a few of them that are kind of big, big ones that need to be talked about. So I'm going to talk about those um, literally right now. And the first one is the elephant in the room that I know most people listening to this probably thought of first Faces of Death. Have you ever heard of Faces of Death? Oh, who hasn't heard Every of Faces of Death? Every teenager has. Yeah. 
So the 1978 pseudo-documentary film called Faces of Death um, spawned several sequels and is known as one of the most commonly associated with snuff films release out there. Everybody thinks it's a snuff film. It's technically not. Because um, it does show um, actual accidents, suicides, and potentially some executions, but it's they're peppered in with completely fake scenes. Um, and if you've ever watched one, you can easily tell the fake ones from the real ones. And the thing about those movies, I am not a fan of them in the least bit, uh, because I don't like the idea of people profiting on real death. Um, it, it really kind of bugs me. Um, so, you know, running an exploitation campaign saying, oh, it might be real, that feels completely different to me than actually putting, like, real suicide victims, victims of accidents, things like that, on a videotape and selling it to people. But technically, it's not a snuff film. Because, again, the urban legend of a snuff film is people are deliberately being killed. I was killed. going to say, it's yeah. a direct murder. So, right. so that means that the movie that had an actual <clears throat> serial killer in it is also not a snuff film. It's not because he doesn't kill anyone in it. And you're talking about The Exorcist uh, 3? Where he's a doctor, right? Yeah, where the, the actual guy who went on to be a serial killer was a was a doctor in it. Um, or How have we not talked about he him? He might, because I'm, I'm on the fence about talking more about that one, because I've also been researching that. And to call him a serial killer is a stretch. It actually sounds more like he just kind of killed his lover. Oh, so he's but, a family annihilator. Yeah, something Maybe. like that instead. Um, so I might still talk about it because it's interesting to me. Um, we talked about a bank robber. It man. might have been in the first Exorcist. I'm still kind of... Unc I can't remember. I'll be honest with you. But um, that is definitely one that we could talk about. The next that I'll talk about here would be the guinea pig films. Have you ever seen or heard of the guinea pig films? So these are extremely disturbing. So I would say just avoid them outright if you're listening. And if I'm saying that, there's something there's something. Different. He watches a lot of 90s um, CG, so he knows. I do watch a lot of bad CG, but I, I also... I said 90s CG. It wasn't I, necessarily bad. Space Truckers is not a bad movie, even though the CG does not hold up well. My favorite thing is that I can say any innocuous thing to you, and you'll just you'll just call yourself right out. I mean, it has bad CG in it. It does, but... Um, you know what else had bad CG? What? Santa Claus. The Santa Claus? Yeah, don't... Yeah, I love it. Don't sue me, Disney. Yeah, but the CG was terrible in the first movie. I know, movie. I still love it We so just rewatched it. Yeah, it, it's really bad. I, re I rewatched it probably two years ago, and I was like, man, I don't know why I like this so much. But I still loved it. Because it's amazing. It's really bad. It's a great movie. So this, so the guinea pig films are actually a Japanese uh, series, um, and they made several of them. Um, I'll give you some of the names just so you can kind of, uh, kind of enjoy these names. Um, guinea pig. Devil's Experiment, Guinea Pig 2, Flowers of Flesh and Blood. Um, and uh, yeah, they made more like Mermaid in a Manhole was also one of them. Um, really bizarre stuff. You, if you, if so, if you're into Japanese um, cult cinema, which I am a big fan of, um, you will, you will not think those are so weird because they, they, 
the Japanese film community, like they just have some wild names that I appreciate. But these were actually, um, the first two films were released in 1985 and were designed specifically to mimic or look like snuff films. Um, the video is grainy and unsteady as if it's being recorded by amateurs and they use extensive practical and special effects to imitate um, things like internal organs, graphic wounds, things like that. Um, I love things like that. Mm -hmm. They're, I they're interesting. I love things like that. They're kind of interesting to watch, especially if you just look up videos because they did do, or pictures from it, they did do a really good job of staying, like, correct. It looks real. Um, it's confirmed to not be, but it does look real. What's really interesting, though, is the sixth film in the series, Mermaid in a Manhole, made in 1988, allegedly served as the inspiration for a real Japanese serial killer. He was inspired by the movie named um, Satomo Miyazaki, who murdered several preschool girls in the late 80s. Oh, I was really, really excited about this until yeah. until I wasn't. Yeah, and this, this only gets darker when we get into the real thing, so strap in um in 1991 and by the way if you're listening to this and you're like what's matt going to talk about next take out your um your bingo card because this is going to be weird in 1991 <laughs> charlie sheen became convinced that flower of flesh and blood um was real and he contacted the fbi the fbi initiated an investigation but closed it after a ser after the series producers released a making of film that demonstrated how they did it and how they simulated the murders. I understand why, but that sucks for them because now they've got competition. Right, there are now, people out there that can recreate. They absolutely what they did. did because ever since then, it's there is a whole underground for these for these movies. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually an American guinea pig series um, as well, which is not very good. Um, I didn't say Every that. Every time we take and Americanize something, except for The Office, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so then let's get to my personal favorite film on the list of um, of these types of films. Cannibal Holocaust, which I'm pretty sure you've heard me talk about I before. I have. Um, so this was made by Italian uh, director Ruggiero Diodato. Um, and he was charged after rumors um, that the depictions of the killings of the main actors in his film were real. He was able to clear himself of the charges after the actors made an appearance in court and on television. He was actually arrested and charged with murder. They believed it. Now, watching the film, I kind of get why. He did a very good job of making it feel real. Part of the reason it felt so real <clears throat> is because he also featured the gruesome death of six live animals. He actually killed them on film to get to get it to have that realistic vibe in ways that you cannot fake. So only watch that. This is a trigger warning. Only watch that movie if you are not easily triggered um <clears throat> the filmmakers will follow up the assertion or the fact that they murdered those animals by saying they were used to feed the cast and crew but it doesn't make it any better when you're watching it so um, this is going to make me sound like a terrible person what yeah. kind of animals were they um there's a muskrat in one scene there's a pig in one scene and there's a giant river turtle in another oh, scene. I'm bummed about the turtle, but the yeah. other thing's not as much. Yeah, and it, it is pretty gruesome the way that they do it. And I believe there was also a monkey 
Oh. Yeah, so it gets it gets a little bit dicey. It gets a little bit dicey. Um, Fun fact about yeah. me, um, <clears throat> I think monkeys are just really creepy. Yeah, monkeys are really creepy. Anything yeah. that like close to human, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not about it. Yeah, it's it's Planet odd. of the Apes is like my number it's, one it's, horror film for me. It's like ruined it for you. Oh. Um, so yeah, so it was it was and it remains to this day one of the most controversial films ever made, um, Cannibal Holocaust. But I, I'm going to say this: it was way ahead of its time, um, like light years ahead of its time, um, because it was actually marketed as a real found footage movie, and he paid the actors to go incognito for a year um, and not come out. And and this you're talking late seventies, early eighties when he did this, so. Way before the Blair Witch Project. Way before... I love found footage. They love found footage. There is, if you really wanted to watch it, because it is, it is to me, it's a very convincing, very good movie. Um, most people I've had watch it actually like it, too. It's one of the rare ones um, where people <laughs> genuinely seem to love it when they watch it. I, I made a mistake because forever it was banned in America. And oh. I had a DVD-R copy of it that I had bought off someone at a convention. And I left it at Britney's parents' house back in, like, the early 2000s. And their whole family watched it without me knowing. And they loved it. They had no idea anything was anything. They were That's like, hilarious. It's really good. And get this. Little fun fact for you. The theme song from Cannibal Holocaust is mm-hmm. what Britney walked down the aisle to Shut at our wedding. Up. Yeah. I love That's that. That's the song that she walked down the aisle to. That's adorable. Yeah, because she loved it so much. So, um, yeah, there you go. So now, the last one we're going to talk about before we get into the real meat and potatoes of this episode is the August Underground Trilogy. This is actually one of the newest ones. So this is a trilogy of horror films that depicts graphic torture and murder um, and is shot as if it were amateur footage made by a real serial killer and his accomplices. They're actually really well made. Um, that I really so good. I really like these movies because they're they're really disturbing and and there's no there's nothing real about it. You know what I mean? It's it's just a it's just a a, a, a fun scary movie. But some people um, were actually. Um, were actually really offended by these and actually convinced that they were real. So director and lead actor Fred Vogel, um, who was traveling with copies of the first two films to attend a horror festival in Canada, was arrested by Canadian Customs pending charges of transporting obscene materials into Canada. The charges were eventually dropped, but only after Vogel spent 10 hours in the custody of the Canadian police. They were that convinced. People and he's, are absurd. He's a filmmaker from Cleveland, is is where he's out of. Okay. Yeah, I've met him a few times at some cons. Super nice dude. I really, love really that. nice dude. Yeah, and you know the other one I met, the director of Cannibal Holocaust. Me and Brittany talked to him for a long time at a convention in Cleveland. Um, again, okay. super nice dude. All right, so now that we got those out of the way, because those are some really good examples of some films that um, have kept the idea of the snuff film in the American lexicon, um, in our urban legend dictionary, so to speak. But now, let's get to the real thing. Um, In subsequent years, uh, more urban legends have emerged about snuff films, um, and I'm going to give you a few really notable ones here. So the first notable ones were... um, 
Henry Lee Lucas and his accomplice, Otis Toole. Have you ever heard of them before? I have not. So they're the two who were the subject of Henry, portrait of a serial killer. Um, and they were active serial killers in Chicago who were, like, particularly heinous. Um, we should probably do an episode on the two of them. Um, Great. Let's do it. So they claimed to have filmed their crimes. Um, their crimes included a lot of rape and torture before they killed their victims. But they were both found to be pathological liars. And the films were never uncovered. And there was no evidence found that they ever did it. In the movie, um, they actually do show them, like, carrying around a camera with them. It is one of the, like, filthiest serial killer movies I've ever watched. Um, it's disturbing. I'll leave it at that. Um, and I will leave it as a surprise to who plays Henry, because it is someone who is very, very familiar to you. And it's a very early role by him. So, we'll talk about who that Who plays later. Henry? I'll show you later. I'm not going to spoil anything in case anyone wants to go watch it. Go check out Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Um, <clears throat> so again, they claimed to film theirs and nothing ever came up. Um, Charles uh, Charles N. I don't know how you say his last name. It's just N.G. Do you know how to pronounce that? Me either. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and Leonard Lake also videotaped their interactions with some of their future victims, but not the murders. Those are real. So there were two other serial killers who did videotape their interaction prior to committing the murder, but not the actual murder. Um, Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris um, also made audio recordings of their encounter with one of their victims, but again, not her death. Likewise, Paul uh, Bernardo and Carla Homolka made videos of Bernardo sexually abusing two victims, but did not film the murder. In all of these cases, the recordings were not intended for public consumption, but were used as evidence during the murderer's trials. Um, over the years, several films were suspected of being snuff films, the ones notably that we just talked about. Um, though none of those accusa accusations ever turned out to be true. Um, in a similar con uh, controversy concerning the filming of the music video for Down For It by the Nine Inch Nels, in which Trent Reznor acted in a scene which ended with the implication that his character may have fallen off a building and died, um, they used um, a couple special effects to make that scene look real, um, where they covered basically covered him in um, cornstarch to make it look like he had real injuries. And the fi they filmed the scene using a camera that was tied to a balloon with ropes um, attached to it to keep it from flying away. A couple minutes in the filming, the ropes broke and the balloon flew away and landed 200 miles away in the field of a farmer in Michigan. Um, and the farmer thought it was real and handed it off to the FBI. So the Nine Inch Nails are filming um, a music video where Trent Reznor commits suicide at the end of it. Uh -huh. um, the balloon flies away, lands on the field. The farmer thinks it's real and gives it to the FBI. Um, That's amazing. They began investigating whether the footage was real or not. Um, and the FBI identified Reznor and the investigation ended when it was confirmed that he was alive and the footage was not actually related to a crime. I mean, like, <clears throat> did they not recognize Trent Reznor? Um, I'm sure they didn't. I mean, they were a bunch of police. 
Okay, they don't, don't have to be lame. Trent Reznor. They don't have um, to be lame. Okay, so Just now we're going to get to the part that makes me um, mm, on this one. So we're going to talk about um, the internet. Okay. And social media websites and how um, videos of actual murders and, and things like that are starting to circulate. Okay. Um, <clears throat> By allowing anyone to broadcast um, self-made videos to an international audience, um, the internet changed the means of production of films that may be categorized as snuff. There have been several cases of murders being filmed by their perpetrators and later finding their way online. These include videos made by Mexican cartels. Um, I'm sure everybody here knows what I'm talking about. Um... I will not get into too many details with this, but there are literally videos by Mexican cartels that show people being cut limb from limb with a chainsaw. There are beheading videos. Uh, there are videos of people alive talking to the camera while they have their scalps removed. Um, Pretty much anything that you would never want to see exists. Um, if you recall, there are also videos by jihadist uh, groups. Um, specifically, uh, oh my gosh, what were they called? Uh, they're still around. Oh my lord. I um, can't remember their name. The one that, uh, hold on. Hold on, the one that was in Afghanistan forever. Uh, that was all over the news for a long time. Either way, they had ISIS. ISIS. Yeah, they they were they are famous for um, beheading videos. Uh, they are famous for videos of captives being burned alive. They are famous for captives being shot in the head. But again, these are really hard to call them snuff films, and the reason why is because they're using them. As a tactic to scare people. And not for profit. And not for profit. So, again, I get... Because this is a big argument. Are they snuff films or are they not snuff films? Because if you want to categorize a snuff film as a film of someone being murdered, it fits that. But specifically, the urban legend of the snuff film is people are being murdered and those videos are being sold for profit. I don't know why we can't just put it all in the same category and like have different types of I snuff see, films. I see where, where you're coming from. Um, yeah, I, I think that might for be... For profit, for fear. Because, I yeah. mean, <clears throat> you could, in a very loose way, argue that the fear is profit for them. It can be, yeah. You, because, I mean, could... it, they profit by getting, by potentially getting new recruits from people who are just absolute sociopaths who from, really who really they profit like that from look. putting fear um, into the people that they want to scare like yeah. they they're gaining something which they are technically from counts yeah. as profit so i can see i can, can very see, loosely describe it as profit yep i can see what you're saying um we also have to talk about the video that was shot by luca magnata do you recognize that name i don't he was the subject of a particularly popular Netflix documentary called No, Don't is it? No, that man. Yeah. I hate that man. Never mind. I knew I knew that name. Yeah, you sure did. Um, so if you're not familiar, uh, there is a documentary called Don't Fuck With Cats on Netflix. Uh, sorry to anyone offended by the F word. Uh, Brittany, you can bleep that out. That, actually, on Netflix, it's like bleeped out. So that would be um, that You would could be fine. use like a little sound clip of a cat meowing. Yeah, meowing. Because um, this man 
yeah, not let's talk. No, I, I, you. Let's talk about this. Okay, this man. So let's get to. It's horrible. Let's get to why I'm bringing him up in this first. <sighs> so first of all, he did post videos of him killing animals. Um, cats, cats. Kittens, he put them in. Not cats, kittens. In vacuum seal bags and sucking the air out of them. It was disgusting. Um, and I saw that. I, I. It was less than ten minutes into the documentary. I've never paused a movie so fast. Um, he also um, killed. Uh, June Lin um, when he was in Canada Mm -hmm. um, and he filmed himself mutilating June Lin's body. Not only that, this is, and and here in a minute I'm going to get into why. This is the closest we've come to what I think the definition of a snuff film is. And I'll get to why here in just a moment. But um, he filmed himself mutilating June Lin's body and mailed body parts all over Canada to preschools and police. Um, and eventually, uh, eventually the video found its way into someone's hands it shouldn't have, uh, fallen into, and it was posted online and Magnata fled Canada. That was shortly, that was right, that's when the manhunt started that eventually caught him. Um, author Steve Lillibon, uh, Lillibon, I think is how you say his name, mm-hmm. wrote in a book on, uh, about, wrote the book about Magnata's case and commented that social media had created a new trend in crime where killers co- uh, who crave an audience can become online broadcasters by showing their murders and their crimes to the world. Um, Fangoria Magazine commented that Magnata's 2012 video, which showed him mutilating the corpse of his victim, was the closest thing in existence to being what we know by the urban legend of a snu- as being a snuff film. And there's a main reason why. Um, he had done some, he actually did some editing and overlaid a song to make a soundtrack for the video of him mutilating this person's body. However, it didn't show the actual murder itself um, and was originally published to attract attention um, and not for monetary gain. Um, The charges of which Magnata was found guilty include publishing obscene materials. Now, this is where things get really interesting. When you were in high school, did people go to websites like bestgore.com? I used to go to a website all the time where um, I saw really horrifying Like rotten.com? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. So all of those websites um, are really interesting to me because they generally will back themselves up on... Basically, like, free speech, First Amendment, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. Yeah, you and I know a local website that did that, too, but it still Correct. got shut down. Yeah. So, in 2016, the owner of the bestgore.com uh, website, who had hosted Magnata's video, pleaded guilty to an obscenity charge and was sentenced to six months, um, to a six-month conditional sentence, half of which was served under house arrest. So one of those websites was actually held accountable for the material that was on it, which is really, really interesting to me, and I think it sets a very, very interesting um, precedent. Now, the other, the other video that I want to talk about, because unfortunately I saw this video, and it really bothers me that I saw it, um, and I have Reddit to thank for that, because I went on Reddit one day, and it was the video on the very front page of Reddit. And I looked at it and thought it was a video game, and it turns out it was the real thing. Um, you remember the shooting in the Buffalo grocery store, correct? Did you hear about that? Vaguely. The mass shooter? Um, 
he filmed himself. He had a camera on his gun and filmed as he shot down all of the people in that grocery store. Um, and it leaked online. And that is becoming a very common thing for mass shooters to air their shootings live. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. And that is another one that we... And and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because we are starting to get to a point now where it's going to be really hard to differentiate between what's real and what's not real. And that's why we have to make sure that we are, you know... Um, only giving our money to like reputable websites, things like that, that aren't going to um, try to try to make money on the death and murder of other people. Um, that especially if it's real, I understand making a movie. I understand all that stuff. It can be horrifying, but there's a safety to knowing that it's fake. Um, when it's real, it's it's unforgivable. I, I have no. Um, yeah, I have no uh, no way to defend people like that. So the reason I, the real reason I wanted to bring this up is just just to kind of shed some light on this because in the 1970s it wasn't practical for everybody to go out and buy a camera. Today everybody has a camera that is significantly better than anything. Literally, yeah, right to on their your phones. phone. So you're gonna see everything so again watch who you're giving your money to um even those websites that show like the the photos after an accident or something like that i have issues with them i I just don't like it um there's a consent issue to that those people were people and and they don't consent to those things happening um so again watch that stuff well and even it goes further than just giving your money it's giving your views right yeah, because you're and and even giving your views if they monetize a video like that, which websites like YouTube have done a good job of demonetizing some of that stuff, but at the same time, it could still lead you to their page where they have videos you could watch that do make money and things like that. Well, and it's um, so, and yeah. I, I'm not, I'm gonna say it's so easy, but we haven't figured it out yet. But it's so easy to monetize mm-hmm. social media like TikTok yeah. and Facebook and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. We haven't figured it out, but it has to be easy. Yeah, it's People gotta, are we'll, doing it. We'll figure it out eventually. It's going to happen somewhere down We're there. too old for this, Matt. I know. Someone, <laughs> someone who's young, come and help us figure this out. Because we, oh be, we should be making some money off this thing by now. But I just wanted to put that out there. I don't... Um, I don't I don't like people making money on real human suffering. Um yeah. I am not a fan of of that stuff and you know it's it's not it's not okay. It's not okay. Um and and this ties into our to our true crime thing because you know how long is it going to be before a serial killer really does release a video of them murdering someone and makes money off of it? How long is it going to be before it actually happens? Well, I mean, we already have that SerialKillers.com mm-hmm. where people can go and buy merchandise. Yeah, fetishize. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, fetishize serial killers. Um, yeah, it's... And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to leave also, my... Also, that website's really expensive I'm for gonna leave, curious. <laughs> I'm going to leave my judgment alone on this one. But at the end of the day, um, the validity of the snuff film is called into question whether a true snuff film really exists. But again, I'm I sure agree. They do, but if it was truly a snuff film, yeah. we wouldn't know about yeah. it. Yeah, and, and I agree with you that there that there are we have set some ridiculous parameters around what is and isn't a snuff film. Um, it, it just you it's have to odd. look at it as if you um, were a fae making a deal. Yeah, <laughs> like, because 
you know, we know for a fact that there are videos of real crimes in wartime. There are examples of serial killers who, for the most part, film their crimes. Um, but there are also websites and films that show real life death that are perfectly legal. I don't legal think we can own. ever talk about Lucas Magnata on here because I think I would just like it, lose my mind. I don't think there's any need to. Uh, that documentary was enough. Doesn't I, matter. I don't, I don't think we physically could. Yeah. Um, at this point, in, in, in at the time we're recording this, there there is no real concrete evidence that there is a group of elites in this country that pay millions of dollars for footage of people being murdered. Um, nothing like that. So, you know, I don't think you have to worry about getting kidnapped and, and murdered for profit. Just be worried about getting kidnapped and murdered in general. Um, kidnapped yeah. and just profited. Yeah. Human so, trafficking is a huge deal. As of this moment, I'll end it with this. Snopes says snuff films don't exist. They are purely fictional. Snopes but, on the payroll, too. But, again, I think that's only if you put that stri- those stringent parameters around it. And that's all I got to say. So I wanted to bring this up because I will be covering on a much later episode one of the most violent serial killing sprees I've ever heard of in my entire life. And I deliberately did not bring them up in this, but I wanted you guys to all have a good foundation for what a snuff film is before we get into this one. Because there's one that I don't know how it's escaped us. I don't know. I've never heard anyone talk about this one. And they killed 21 people in a month. In a month? In a month. That's insane. It is. It's it's a wild, wild story. Okay, all so right. that's all I have for tonight. Um, do you want to let them know where they can find us? Yeah, they can find us on iHeartRadio. They can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Let's see. Spotify, Anchor, um, Audible. Audible, yeah. Amazon Music mm-hmm. and most places where you can find fantastic podcasts and and us. We're there too. We're, we're hanging there out too. We're the we're the awkward kids hanging out in the corner of the, of the show. Films. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> pushing our glasses up. Mm. All right, stay creepy, <laughs> you weirdos. <laughs> <laughs>